Welcome to the Four Feathers Podcast, brought to you by ONTAPSportsNet.com and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to Manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick your balls or any other sensitive areas. Want to keep the boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh from a.m. to p.m. Go to Manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping and all your manscaping needs. That's manscaped.com. Use promo code ONTAP, all one word, and that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Luce in Blackhawks D-Zone, Austin P with us tonight. It's time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. Boys, the biggest thing here, hockey is back. I am so glad to finally be having something set in stone that we can talk about, concrete dates in place. Obviously not a full schedule yet, but we'll get to all of that. Before we start, um, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at Ontap Sportsnet. Also, you may have heard at the beginning of this episode um, a new little ad at the beginning. Uh, that's Manscaped. Yeah, um, go, go ahead and use that code Ontap, all one word, twenty percent off, free shipping. Um, Works great for, you know, you can do uh, order now, get some belated gifts in uh, for your loved ones. Um, ladies, makes a great gift for uh, your significant other. So, um, yeah, we all got Manscaped products. Uh, they've been excellent so far, so I definitely will be ordering more and using that code on tap 20% off. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, new in the on tap world here. That about does it for the housekeeping, though. Gentlemen, as I alluded to, hockey is back, and you guys are back on the mic, uh, and we are talking uh, Blackhawks hockey here Um First of all, how are you gentlemen doing tonight, and how excited are you that hockey is officially back? Doing good, man. Um, uh, like you said, I'm excited. Hockey's back. It, you know, it feels like sports are starting to return, right? I mean, football, you know, for the most part, has gone off without a hitch. Obviously, baseball was a weird year because of the 60-game season. You know, basketball's returning now in the next few days. So now that we actually know when the hockey is going to start, I'm very excited, so... Can't wait to, to chat more about it throughout this episode, but yeah, let's let's get excited. There's going to be Blackhawks hockey in less than a month, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I think uh, we were all a little nervous to see what would happen with the season. It seems like the last two weeks they've been throwing out dates and information, and here's what's going to happen. And and somebody threw it into the chat the other day, and we're like, hold on, let's let's make sure this is official first. So now that it's official and we have a start date and we have things in place. Uh, now I'm excited. Now I'm ready to talk about Blackhawks hockey. Yeah, I sounded a little cynical um, when I was tweeting from the Four Feathers account. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but it was just, you know, after months and, you know, so many proposals and reports and all of this, um, we did, like you said, Austin, we didn't really want to get our hopes up until it was actually official. Now it is official. It became official on uh, this past Sunday. We have a date. Um, January 13th, puck drops on the 2021 NHL season. It will be a shortened 56-game schedule. We all know what happened the last time the NHL played a shortened schedule, um, you know, to start a season. That turned out pretty well for our Chicago Blackhawks. Um, but like I said, January 13th uh, is a puck drop. Uh, there's training camp will open. 
for non-playoff teams on the 30th. Obviously, the Hawks were gifted that last spot, so they won't start until January 3rd, um, along with all the other teams that went to their respective bubbles in Edmonton or um, uh, Toronto. And um, other than that, uh, the crucial dates are um, trade deadline, April 12th, end of the regular season, May 8th. Expansion draft is July 21st. Uh, The regular draft is July 23rd and 24th. Free agency opens on July 28th. So, guys, having all this um, information here, uh, we're going to have new look divisions. Um, It's going to be different, that's for sure, but what hasn't been uh, different in 2020? So uh, I just wanted to get your guys' initial thoughts. First of all, what have you been doing without hockey? Because I've been talking, you know, tweeting back and forth with Austin about this would be a great night to pull up some shitty West Coast games and just, you know, drink a bunch of beers and have it, you know, at least hockey on my screen. Um, so what have you guys been doing and how excited are you uh, that it's back? Yeah, man, I've just been trying to keep myself busy. I feel like, you know, um, obviously here at OnTap Sports doing, you know, a bunch of Cubs stuff, but I've been kind of banging my head off the wall without hockey, man. I'm just, it feels weird. You know, it's that time of the year where, like you said, it'd be a perfect night if the Hawks aren't playing. You just turn on whatever game is on TV, crack a couple beers, watch them. Usually those are my favorite nights to bet on hockey because it's usually a bunch of weird-ass games with weird lines, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to bet. And, you know, win some money, crack some beers. It's a good time. Um, it's been weird. You know, it's it's so – because, you know, at least, yeah, football is here, but it's like the rest of the week there's no sports, and it's just been killing me. And that is the beauty of hockey, right? It's, it could be Wednesday night, you have a tough day at work, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, the Hawks play tonight. Oh, yeah, awesome. Okay, this will be great, you know. And and not being able to do that's been a little shitty. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, this new look central is, you know, pretty crazy. I, I know we're going to continue to touch on it more, um, so I'm not going to steal that thunder. But I'm, I'm actually very intrigued um, with kind of this realignment now that the league is done for this, you know, shortened season. I think it's going to add maybe not entirely, but I think it's going to add some new – potential new rivalries even, right? I mean, I think there could be some some intriguing things happen with that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've been struggling without hockey. So again, I'm I'm super excited for January 13th. I never thought I would say I was actually excited for a day in the middle of January when it's going to be just miserably cold in Chicago, but I'm actually very excited. We've, I've dove headfirst into college hockey lately and they got the bubble going on in Omaha, Nebraska. So they, they put that together. The Big Ten's been playing games. Uh, I've been pretty much watching all the Notre Dame games, so that's been good. Uh, just kind of like seeing, seeing the different skill levels between professional and college, you get a good sense of, of who stands out and, and who could take that leap to the next step. So uh, I'm excited, like Ron said, about the divisions. I think why not make this year just a little bit more unique? Like what else are they going to do to make it stand out like any other year? So uh, we'll talk about that next. I'm excited to talk about who, who the Blackhawks have to play all season long. Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, doing some watching of uh, college hockey as well. Caught a few Notre Dame games. It's nice that they've been on here in the Chicagoland area. Um, I got a friend's brother who plays for Bowling Green, actually, so I've tried to catch anything I can um, with them. But, yeah, uh, like you had said, Austin, just kind of identifying uh, who actually stands out and who has that potential uh, to take it to the next level um, in those games has been interesting. But nothing like the real deal. Um, hockey, like we'd mentioned back, uh, new look. NHL Central Division, guys. Uh, Carolina, the Blackhawks, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, Tampa Bay. So some similar names in there. Obviously, we know very well Nashville, 
Um, Dallas played against them for so long. But a bunch of teams from the East, uh, formerly of the East, uh, joining the Central Division. And um, it's going to be interesting, man. I think the biggest, all interdivision matchups, we're going to be playing these uh, teams eight times each uh, that like Ron had alluded to, it's going to build up some new rivalries. Uh, definitely. I saw a tweet today. I think it was from second city hockey. And they said um, by, you know, the end of uh, April, there's going to be a line brawl in every game. And I thought that was hilarious. Cause that's honestly kind of the thing that you're breeding there when you're playing those teams so frequently. Um, but the, the one that jumps off off the page here is uh, Detroit back in the division. Uh, we're going to get a constant, you know, slate of games against them like it was uh, pre first alignment. So um, how, how excited are you guys yell Detroit sucks uh, at least eight times this year? It's going to be fantastic. And yeah, I mean, but again, I think that's going to be the fun, right? Of some of these divisions is you're going to get some of these new rivalries like that all Canadian division. Are you kidding me? That's going to be absolutely bananas. But you know, keeping it right now in the no, uh, in the new look central, I'm actually kind of excited uh, that Columbus is back in the division. I think a lot of people forget that they were actually a part of the Blackhawks division with Detroit before. You know, Johnny, like you mentioned, the realignment that sent both of those teams out east. Um, I, I'm excited to yell and hate Nashville again for another eight games. That'll be fine. We could see Joel Quenville for eight games um, with you know Florida being in the division now. Uh, Carolina is is a fun team to watch. I mean, they're they're good and young and upcoming. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting. And obviously, you know, the defending cup champions in Tampa Bay being in there, that one scares uh, the shit out of me a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, it's going to be fun. I, again, I, I think I'm I'm really excited not having to see the St. Louis Blues on my television set. Um, and it, you know, it's it's just it's just refreshing, honestly, and and not having to see Brandon Saad rip my heart out every time he scores against the Hawks this year will be nice because obviously he's in Colorado now. So I'm I'm excited to not have to deal with that pain um, as a as a Brandon Saad lover. So, um, but yeah, I think that's kind of like you said the big highlights, right? I mean, it's it's cool seeing you know some of these new teams like Carolina and Tampa and you know whatnot. But I think Columbus and Detroit returning to the division is really cool, and you know. Still keeping some of that familiarity with Dallas and Nashville and then, you know, getting to see, you know, Coach Q and, and what the what the Florida Panthers are digging up then down in, in South Florida will be kind of neat as well. So crazy division. But, yeah, Detroit sucks every day, all day and for sure eight times this season. I'll be honest, I, th- I I'm nervous looking at these eight teams or uh, seven teams, including Chicago. I, I mean, the only the only team that you look at and say eh, that that's we can kind of chalk it up as a win is Detroit. But Detroit's only going to get better. Uh, and you know that they're going to want to beat Chicago. So that's not going to be an easy win. Columbus is a hardworking team. They're going to shut you down. They're going to play physical. That'll be tough. And then Carolina's, I mean, they're going to, Carolina's going to be a cup favorite in the next couple of years. The one good thing about Tampa Bay I did see this morning is Nikita Kucherov is going through some type of hip injury. They're speculating right now he may not be ready for the season. They may put him on long-term reserve. Uh, that's a little bright spot because that team is uh, dynamite even without him. So uh, it's interesting. I think it'll be cool to see teams like Columbus and Carolina more often. Uh, We'll see how Chicago does. It'll be interesting to see the coaching matchups. And and after you play a team four or five times, what what do you do differently? What do you, what do you notice? What are you going to change up systematically? Who are you going to line up against who? So it, I think it's a big year for Jeremy Colleton. He hasn't had a regular season yet. He came in after Joel Quinville after a couple games, was kind of behind the eight ball. Nobody's going to replace Joel Quinville, 
last season, uh, Chicago was getting hot at the end. They beat Edmonton. They looked great. They got this momentum, and let's see what he does with it now. He he knows these players. He knows what they're good at. He knows what they need to get better at. So we'll see what happens with with these teams. It'll be fun. I think it'll be fun no matter what, but hopefully we score more goals than the other team. Yeah, I mean, you guys hit on a lot of great points there. A couple ones I want to piggyback off of. Yes, um, and I know you talked about the Blues, Ron, and that's a note that we have here in our rundown, but also Colorado. Um, not seeing them because they are just so explosive. And like you mentioned, the Brandon Saad factor, um, all of that. That's fine. The, those guys go beat each other up out West. Um, I'm fine with that. Seeing the blues and the uh, abs go at each other's throats there and the Hawks not having to be in the middle of it. Um, but uh, like you mentioned, you know, renewing the rivalry with Detroit, um, just historic there. Um, I, put it some blatant you know blunt here uh playing tampa will be a bitch even without nikita kucherov uh that team is still so stacked um they're returning essentially uh that whole roster give or take a few guys um from a you know a stanley cup winning team so uh that's not going to be fun but at the end of the day i mean i think in the regular division when they announce this whole you know rebuild nonsense uh if you want to call it that <laughs> rebuild uh they're not really following through action wise until we, you know, really see uh, on the ice how the how committed they are to the development of their young players. But either way, we knew that we were going to be in for some painstaking games. Austin, you said it's probably going to be a very long 56 games um, in our chat when we were talking the other day. And I agree with you. Um, obviously, the goalie situation um, will be uh, <laughs> rough. And that's to say the least uh, with uh, and Dahlia and Subban. So um, I think it's going to be tough no matter what, no matter where we're going to be slotted. Um, but uh, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I'm excited to just have hockey back. And Ron, you touched on some of the other divisions there. Um, yeah, the North, the All-Canadian Division. Um, and th- that is one less team. So some of those teams will be playing each other nine times instead of eight. I really Love hope that. I really hope Edmonton and Calgary are one of the teams matched up nine times because that's going to get, that got off the rails last year in the regular amount of meetings, obviously cut off a little bit at the end. Um, but that's just going to be even more heated there. So I'm excited to watch that. Um, what about you guys? Anything else around the league uh, you're looking forward to? I'm, I'm very intrigued. I mean, speaking of the North division, um, there's so many kind of rumblings that, you know, what if these Canadian teams can't play in Canada? Um, you know, where do you put them in the United States? If that's the case, you know, do you let them go play out in, north dakota or something like that like you kind of you know make the great plains kind of the home of the north division like so that's something to kind of interesting to to look at but you know something i'm kind of intrigued by is that west division i really think that one's going to be really competitive because johnny like you said you know now you got st louis out there who's you know a perennial playoff team you have colorado out there who arguably could be the best team in the west and or you know the traditional west i say that in air quotes you know you throw in teams like Vegas, you throw in a team like Arizona who has some upside. Um, you throw in the likes of, uh, who else am I missing? You know, obviously all the California teams that even though they're not very good right now are still going to be a pain in the ass. So honestly, if I'm, you know, Colorado and St. Louis, a, I'm probably looking at that division and going, okay, the only real threat out here besides us is Vegas um, to me. But I feel like that's a division this year that maybe could expose Vegas a little bit. Maybe Vegas doesn't have as good of a season as people might think they have. Um, I think they lost way too much in order to make pieces fit. Obviously, the the Alex Petrangelo signing was huge for them, but they had to cut so much cap space. They traded Paul Stastny away. He's now back in Winnipeg where they uh, he was traded, I believe, from St. Louis originally at the deadline uh, a few seasons ago. 
you know, and, and they don't have a true second line center. They lost depth on their their blue line because now uh, Nate Schmidt is in Vancouver. He's in yes. Vancouver. Vancouver. He's in Vancouver. So you know, a lot of these teams, or a lot of these players that really kind of hung their hat on Vegas's depth being so good. I think they now lose that. So I'm intrigued to see how that West Division plays out. Like I said, I think I'm I'm most excited, like you said, Johnny, just that Canadian division and those rivalries is gonna be awesome. I hope the Battle of Alberta happens nine times. You know, I hope Montreal and Toronto play each other nine times. Like that's what I'm ready for. Um you know, and even the even the East Division, I, I think, is still going to be interesting. Obviously, there's a ton of great teams out there. You got Boston, uh, you got Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. You know, you kind of you're kind of putting together now with that East Division all the great teams from the Atlantic and the Metro, minus Carolina and Tampa, really. Um, you know, and they're all going to just duke it out and beat each other up over there on the East Coast. So, I actually really like how the the new look is for all these divisions. I'm very excited about it. And yeah, I, I'm, I agree with, with Austin though. It's going to be really interesting to see how the, the Hawks match up with a lot of these teams because, you know, the West has always kind of been that, you know, beat each other up type division versus the East. I'm intrigued to see with a lot of these East teams now coming over with a little more speed, you know, how that's going to potentially either expose the Hawks and some of their weaknesses or, you know, in a weird situation, maybe does that play a little more to their strengths because it's going to be more running gun. So I'm intrigued to see how the the 56 games play out, but you know I'm I'm fully expecting the Blackhawks to be picking top 10 next year in the draft, or I should say this coming year in the draft. That's funny that you say that. I was just looking who are the top 10 uh, draft prospects for next year, just in case I need to know that. Uh, but the crazy thing, didn't they decide that uh, four teams from each division make the playoffs? Right? Is that how they're doing it? Yeah, four teams. So. Four, yeah. Yeah, so you have four Canadian teams automatically in the playoffs, so that helps the NHL. That gets them uh, where they want to be. So we know hopefully one of those teams is going to make it past first round. So I think that went into the decision by the NHL. Looking at the Blackhawks division, you can pencil in Tampa Bay. You can, I think, pencil in Dallas, Carolina maybe, and then it's kind of a toss-up. Let's see what happens with Nashville. Nashville's been struggling lately. Florida can't seem to get over the hump. Detroit's rebuilding. Columbus, we'll see if they can match their their intensity that they've showed the last two years. So if the Blackhawks are like on the edge all year and they make games interesting and, and there's like, you know, those quote unquote must win games that that we see maybe like once or twice a week, I think it's going to be a good year. It'll be fun. Uh, the West Division, I, I think the Ducks are going to surprise some people. I think they're. Mm. I mean, you look at the United States roster, they have four Ducks players drafted. The Ducks are, if you want to rebuild, the Ducks are rebuilding how you should. And they have a goaltender in John Gibson. So when when people say, oh, the Blackhawks don't know how to rebuild, well, they're tanking with their goalies. That's what they're doing is they're putting all their chips up front and then they're tanking on the back end. So then, you know, we could do all this stuff. Look at this. We're, we're bringing in these players. Uh, but we're, we're not, we're gonna, not going to do anything with the goaltenders. That's fine. So that's kind of like their way of rebuilding, which it's going to be so miserable to watch, but at least like Ron said, we have like seven, five games or like five, four games where Patrick Haynes just wheeling and dealing up the wall. So the East, I'm not, the East is too early for me. I'm out here on the West coast. I, I watch those on the highlights on NHL network when I'm falling asleep. So that looking at that division, Buffalo 
should be better. New Jersey, who knows if they're better, but everybody in that division is a good hockey team. So that'll be interesting. I'll be watching the highlights. Yeah, yeah. East East is going to be a grind. That's what I was just going to say. Um, you, you had mentioned Ooh. kind of uh, the um, sort of collecting uh, all of those really solid top teams from the Metro and Atlantic, like you said, minus the two outliers in Carolina and Tampa who are now in the Central. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, the Rangers now, obviously they got um, Lafreniere um, and obviously Panarin's still there. Mika Zabanajad. Um, it's it's going to be a grind at the top there. And obviously Barry Trotz always has his team ready to play uh, defensively against doesn't matter who they go up against. So um, the Islanders are still going to be at the top of that too. That'll be really interesting uh, to me because uh, I could see six potential playoff teams uh, from that East division, at least on paper, um, given their talent level. So uh, just interesting. Ron, you, you had another point. Yeah, just very quick point too. Obviously, Austin, you being on the West Coast, this really doesn't benefit you a whole lot, unfortunately. But um, for those of us that are, are in the central time zone, there are zero Pacific time zone games for the Blackhawks this year. Everything's Eastern time zone or central time zone. So the latest game you'll probably see is a 7.30 start. And the earliest game you'll probably see is probably about a 6 o'clock start. So it's going to fall right in that sweet spot for those in the Chicagoland area um, this season. But I, I do feel bad for Austin because now he's, like you said, he's going to be watching highlights at night. Because most of these games are going to be probably played when he's, you know, either still working or, you know, eating dinner. So, um Hopefully you'll be able to catch enough hockey games uh, to to satisfy your your hunger for hockey there, Austin. But uh, thankfully you'll have a good competitive West Division at least that you'll be able to see some games in in real time. And I'm sure those will be a lot of fun to watch. I'm sure you know Johnny and I'll including be watching those as well. Um, you know even though we'll obviously be watching the Hawks too. But just a little note, I happened to see that earlier it made me think of it um, as one interesting thing this year. Everything is Central and Eastern time zone for the Blackhawks. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, just one other note that I had uh, on this whole return to play um, is that um, three goalies are, are required. Uh, each team has to carry three. So obviously the Blackhawks basically have theirs um, set there, but it's just going to be interesting to see um, how that time is distributed. I mean, Malcolm Subban didn't play in a, besides that, you know, whatever minute and 15 seconds of relief for uh, Crawford one night um, back in like early March. Um that, that was about it. That, that's about all he's had. He played in the uh, whatever from the half of the game in that exhibition game they played before uh, th- they went on to play Edmonton in the qualifying round um, in the return to play. But um, be interesting to see uh, how, you know, he has worked in there uh, because if you're really committed, I mean, you, to me, that'd be more of a daily Alankanen split. And even with the reduced games, um, that's where, where I would, you know, see what you have out of him. Obviously, daily was up a couple of years ago uh, when the Blackhawks had some injury issues at the goaltender position. So he does already have some NHL experience under his belt. And he prefer, I, I'll give him credit. He performed well uh, in stretches uh, when he was up with the team then. I remember him beating Colorado a couple of times, which was uh, surprising to me. But um yeah, Kevin Lankinen is probably going to be my one to watch there, though, because I feel I mean, obviously, I will be watching the others and seeing what we have in there. But when you're talking about most intriguing, most unproven there, it's probably Kevin Lankinen. No, I, I think that one is interesting, too. Um, I think it really is going to come down to, um, you know, what we've talked about you know, previously when we dissected the goalie situation is, you know, which which tale of the 2019-2020 season are you going to get out of these two guys, assuming like you said that Delia and Lincoln and kind of take the primary split and Subban just kind of hangs out. 
obviously they did give a new contract to Subban. I want to, is it a two year deal that they gave him this off season? So yeah. um, who knows? You know, obviously it's going to be an open competition in this, you know, two week training camp or whatever. But um, yeah, I agree. You know, cause if you get first half uh, 2019 Lankinen when he was an AHL all-star, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, maybe he's going to see a good share of games or you're going to get the second half Delia who then, you know, essentially took the, the net back from Lankinen and then for Rockford. Um, you know, and then really started to heat up and look like himself, or at least what kind of Blackhawks fans have been accustomed to with his numbers in the AHL. So it'll be interesting. I Again, I mean, obviously, you know, as we've mentioned, uh, and as Austin put it very appropriately, uh, the rebuilding is in the tanking is happening in, the, in net. Um, but nonetheless, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, that competition in itself between those three, because they're all pretty even, um, you know, so really could be anybody's net any given night. And, you know, Jeremy Colleton could really just say, hey, I'm going to ride whoever's playing well. You know, if, if Delia comes in and has a good three-game stretch, great. He has a bad game. That's okay. We go see what Lankinen can do maybe for two games and, you know, kind of switch it up from there. And But, yeah, and, and to add on to your point right about the three goalies, um, you also have the, the little, like, taxi squad that they're going to they're gonna have this year too. Um, so, A, it'll be intriguing to see how that'll impact the AHL, assuming, you know, their season starts without a hitch and everything works out okay. Um but it'll also be interesting then to see, you know, who those guys are, right? Because assuming the AHL plays, you know, you're going to want some of those guys to be getting live game reps, not just traveling and practicing with the teams, um, you know, which some of these taxi squad guys might do. So I think that'll be something interesting to, you know, obviously see too. And I'm sure we'll talk at greater length as, as January 13 approaches. But um, I agree with you. Uh, I think Lincoln is absolutely the name to watch. Um but just I have a, a sneaky suspicion that they're going to give Subban every opportunity to win the job, or even Delia for that matter. He is the highest paid goaltender on the roster at a million bucks. So um, I think they'll give either one of those two the opportunity to win it the most, and you know, pretty much they have to lose it. Um, but if Lincoln and you know comes out in training camp, it looks really good, and you know maybe gets a couple games early in this, you know, fifty-six games, maybe in the first ten he gets two or three games, looks really good. Maybe he's the guy that they ride for the majority of the season. Yeah, for sure, Ron. Uh, good points there. Um, Austin, I want to get your thoughts on the three uh, goaltender um, rule here and obviously the Hawks situation there. But also, um, since you're a Notre Dame fan, um, the Blackhawks did sign uh, Kale Morris, um, you know, weeks back uh, through an AHL contract. So he was going to be, you know, you never know with COVID. Um, don't know who's going to be out when, how long they have to sit out. I don't think any of that stuff's been uh, extremely specified yet. But uh, give us your thoughts on the situation and then fill us in a little bit on uh, Kale Morris because he is very, very well uh, could see the ice um, if injuries and COVID, uh, you know, strike the Blackhawks this season. I Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing is the Blackhawks have been kind of like stockpiling defensemen for, for quite some time now. And these these players that they're drafting are very offensive-minded. And, and you have players like Ian Mitchell and you have players like Adam Bulkvist who's trying to take the next step, like Johnny noted in his most recent article about the power play. And, and there's going to be growing pain. So who is going to be your goaltender back there who's consistent, who communicates, who... Uh, doesn't get too emotional when they're losing or when they're winning. Like, who's going to be the rock back there? And we don't really know that yet. We, we've seen Colin Dillian spurts, and you've talked about how he had some glimpses of, like, wow, he can do it. Malcolm Subban, we have no idea. Kevin Lincoln hasn't really seen the NHL action. So who's going to be that guy back there who settles down the defense, who talks to them, who can move the puck? Um, 
who who plays well enough so that the defensemen aren't scared to take chances. I think that's going to be a major key who has the calming influence back there. Uh, when you talk about Kale Morris, he was the captain of Notre Dame actually his senior year, so or an, or an alternate captain. So he has some leadership qualities, and he. I mean, this is a stretch. He could be that guy who who is that rock back there. He's already 24 years old. That's the nice thing is players coming out of college who play like three or four years in college, they're already 24 years old when you have guys coming in 17, 18, 19 years old. So he's he's already an older player, and, and he, he put up good numbers his senior year. He 9-16 save percentage, three shutouts, 2.42 goals against average. He has the experience. He played almost 40 games each of his three seasons with Notre Dame. So he, he has the experience. I don't know if he's going to get his opportunity this year with how crazy everything's going. I think he'll probably end up being the starter in Rockford, but who knows what happens, like you said, about injuries and, and uh, all the situations surrounding COVID. So we'll see. I, I, I do think there's potential there. I, I was extremely uh, happy when they signed him. I thought that was a good signing. I thought it was a, a, under-the-radar type of signing by a team, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, Johnny. Yeah, for sure. I mean, depth is going to be key. We've seen that. You know, Think about how many NFL teams as you're watching this, how, how many practice squad guys the, these teams are cycling through and all that. And I, I think the NHL, um, especially since where we are, there, there is a you know vaccine starting to be distributed. Um, who knows exactly what the situation will be uh, for players um, and staffs being vaccinated um, before the season starts or throughout the course of the season. But either way, it, it's still an issue, so you have to consider the depth. So um, since the Blackhawks essentially drained uh, the goalie depth in Rockford by choosing what they did to do, um, and that was move on from Corey Crawford, commit to these young guys, and obviously they have uh, Subban in the mix. Uh, that leaves Kale Morris and then what Matt Tompkins essentially as your Rockford guys. So um, th- that's who you're going to see. So I just wanted to make note of those names uh, because you may be hearing them, uh, you know, as the season wears on. So um, th- that's about all I have for uh, this kind of return to play stuff. Uh, we have play returning e- even sooner. Not NHL, not the Blackhawks, but Blackhawks representatives going to the World Juniors. Um, guys, the World Juniors kick off on Christmas Day. They will run through January 5th. Uh, Blackhawks have four representatives. Would have been five um, this uh, year's first round pick. Lucas Reichel uh, was slated to play for Germany, but he tested positive for COVID. Um, there's some issues going on there, so he will not participate. Um, but the Blackhawks will still have four representatives, so we wanted to run them down. And let's start with the most notable, um, Kirby Doc. Uh, Captain Kirby, guys. Uh, he was named the uh captain of team Canada. And it was a pretty cool announcement. I don't know if you guys got to see it. Uh, Connor McDavid up on the video board at their practice, uh, you announced the alternate and the, uh, captains, uh, for, uh, team Canada. So I thought that was cool. Um, the thoughts on Kirby, uh, being the captain. Yeah, I think Kirby being captain is honestly not surprising. And I think the only reason as a Blackhawks fan, we're not surprised by that is everything that we heard about him in his rookie season from other players on the roster. Just, how he carries himself, kind of that mentality he has. Uh, a guy that a lot of people have already kind of tabbed is, you know, there's a chance this guy wears the C for the Blackhawks at some point down the road, you know, whenever Jonathan Taves' career, you know, inevitably comes to an end with the Hawks, whether that's retirement or, you know, moves on to another team. But uh, good for him. You know, I think it's awesome. Uh, I would definitely say he's probably the, the highest profiled player. Uh, playing for Team Canada uh, in terms of the actual World Junior participants. Um, so I think that's great for him. And, I mean, based on the 
I know it's just a scrimmage, so I'm not reading too much into it. But the fact that, that I'm pretty sure he put up like 13 points in two scrimmage games uh, at the World Junior Camp for Canada, it just I, I expect Kirby Doc to just dominate the World Juniors here for the next couple of weeks uh, before the NHL season gets going. I He has a lot of pressure on him. Team Canada, they take this World Junior Championship so seriously. I remember when I was like 13, we went up to Toronto to see the Hockey Hall of Fame, and everybody was packed into this little tiny room around a 20-inch TV watching the World Juniors. They take this so serious. There's a lot of pressure on Kirby Doc. Uh, to perform. I'm looking at Canada's roster. I'm pretty sure he's the only player with NHL experience. So they're going to lean on him in every situation. He's going to play over 25 minutes every game. He's going to be expected to to score points. It's not going to be good enough just to work hard and play well. He's expected to put up points. And I think this is great for his development to be the guy. I'm sure he was the guy when he was young playing Bantams and and midgets and all that but at this stage with the world watching leading team canada i think this is huge for kirby doc's development and i'm i'm glad that they let him go and i'm glad that that he got this opportunity i think it was a shoe-in like ron said that he would be the captain and now let's see what he does with it i am i think he's going to step up to the plate and have a big tournament and he he rode that momentum through the postseason that the blackhawks had people started to talk about him more Jeremy Colleton was giving him more ice time, more and more uh, power play, penalty kill, all this stuff. So let's see him really put it together and dominate a tournament like this. Like he should dominate a tournament like this against 17, 18, 19 year olds. So I'm excited to see Kirby Doc play. I think this is only going to do good for his development. I agree with you guys, uh, breeding him into a leader. I mean, obviously, he's kind of got that naturally, uh, just with the, first of all, the position that he plays when you're a center, you have to be. Um, and, and then second of all, um, just being under the wing of veterans on the Blackhawks roster uh, for a full season. I mean, what, he had three games in the AHL, and that was just a uh, recovery stint uh, when he had an injury from earlier in the um, prospect camp before his rookie season. So um, I agree with you guys, it's going to be huge for uh, his development and, uh, you know, thrust him into a leadership role going forward even being that young he can still be a leader uh, on this Blackhawks team because you are going to have him surrounded with young guys so um, him getting on a stage like that and being the guy the go-to guy for Canada is going to be huge but guys I think my biggest thing um, it'll be easy to go back and look at the numbers and say oh my god he dominated that I want to see what he does against the good teams. I want to see what he does against the USA, Russia, Sweden, uh, the, the really good teams in here, because it, it could be really easy to rack up points against a Finland or an Austria, um, and that he could have a five-point game in that, and that looks great, and it'll be great for highlights, and we'll tweet him out from Four Feathers and share him and all that. But I, I want to see him at the highest level, um, re- really kind of taking over these games, and I think that will be a good determinant uh, of you know where he's at at this stage. So um, I just wanted to... Um, um, you know, touch on that. And then uh, also the, the video by Connor McDavid was fucking sweet. Did you guys see that? Yeah, his face was blown up on the Jumbotron. Yeah. Walking down. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I just thought that was cool because, you know, that's an honor for those guys. Obviously, when you grow up in Canada, you're watching a guy like that. He plays for a Canadian team now in the Oilers. Um, 
it was interesting when I, I just thought it was funny when he was saying that he's like, oh yeah, you know, a guy I known well from playing against, you know, he played for Chicago when he was like, they were reading off, you know, where they were from, where they played before, yada, yada. Um, and he said, oh, I know him from playing against Chicago. Probably didn't want to mention that he beat me, um, you know, in, in that qualifying <laughs> round tournament, but I just thought that was funny uh, the way that he kind of approached that. But no, co- a cool honor for Kirby Doc, obviously, and getting from one of the best players, uh, if not the best player in the league, uh, that news uh, being the one to break it, Connor McDavid there. So um, let's move on. A couple Czech Republic uh, representatives, guys. I think, you know, obviously uh, I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen, so I will be rooting for the U.S. of A., of course. But obviously we're here talking Blackhawks stuff. Uh, the Czechs got to be my second team. And obviously, you know, I'll pay attention to Kirby Doc on Canada or whatever, but that's kind of traitor if I'm rooting for Canada over U.S. and whatever. The Czechs are going to have to be my second team, guys, because we got Michael Tepley, a forward, um, and Michael Crudel. Um, defenseman. So uh, Michael Tepley was drafted 105th overall in the fourth round um, 2019. He's got uh, zero goals, three assists over four games between two uh, levels of the Czech League. So far this season, they've had some COVID issues that have kind of dispersed schedules and guys are getting assigned and reassigned to different teams and whatnot. So that's why those numbers are where they're at in the uh, you know low number of games. But it'll be uh, nice to see Michael Tepley because he was signed to a deal to, I believe, uh, through 2022-23. So he's going to be a prospect that's going to be around here um, for a while. So if he can make some noise, uh, that, that may make some impressions on the Blackhawks coaching staff, because I'm sure they will be just as dialed into this as we are. Um, other one is Michael Crudel, um, 110th overall fourth-round pick in 2020, this past draft. Um, he's uh, you know kind of uh, your stay-at-home defenseman of sorts. He has one goal, no assists, over five games between two Czech League teams. Um, once again, same deal with COVID there, kind of shuttling, assigned, reassigned between different teams. So um, nice to see these guys get into action. And, um, you know, Crudel, when we talk about all these uh, players, you know, you had alluded to it earlier, Austin, uh, drafting the Blackhawks stockpiling on offensive-minded defensemen. Uh, I think Crudel kind of breaks that mold a little bit. They got their other guys that they wanted defensively in earlier rounds or past drafts or whatever that were more offensive-minded. He's more of kind of your stay-at-home type. Uh, that's at least the vibe that I got. And he can provide some offense, but I think his game and his mindset is more about taking care of his own end first, whereas that you could say for a majority of the Hawks' defensive prospects, that is not the case. So um, I'll be interested to see him watch his defensive play. I don't know if you guys had any comments on them before we move on to the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, I don't. I don't have too many comments about Crudel. Um, as you mentioned, drafted this year, uh, so that'll be kind of cool to kind of really get a first look at him on a regular basis um, here in the United States as a Blackhawks fan. But Michael Tepley is a guy that I'm I'm pretty familiar with. Um, as <clears throat> excuse me, as you mentioned, you know, 105th overall draft pick uh, in last year's draft, fourth round, had a really nice year um, playing for the uh, Ice. Um, they're now the Winnipeg Ice. They used to be the Kootenai Ice. Um, up in the, oh, that's the WHL. Um, and he, he had a really good year. Uh, played a lot with Peyton Krebs, uh, who's a top prospect for the Vegas Golden Knights. I also want to say he's on the World Canada or the World Juniors Canada roster, I believe. Um, but they played together top six. Uh, Tepley was pretty much a point-per-game guy. Um, he looked really good. And, you know, three assists in four games, uh, you know, especially in Europe, uh, I think a lot of people got to remember, the ice is bigger, so scoring isn't necessarily as high. Um, you know, you can be the best player in the league and not be a point-per-game guy. So to have three assists in four games is, is good to see from Tepley. He's still very young. Uh, as you mentioned, Johnny, you know, they, they gave him that contract. So he's definitely going to be around for a while. This is a guy I think the Blackhawks are, are hoping to turn into something. And 
you know, early early signs are at least showing that, you know, maybe he could be a nice little gem that they found in the fourth round, um, you know, at that 105th spot because he's put up really good numbers so far in his development. And hopefully this World Junior Tournament just continues to take that development and accelerate it for him. Yeah. Uh, Austin, you got any comments on those guys before we move on to uh, your point of focus here? Yeah, super quick, and then we'll get to uh, USA. Uh, Tepley played last year in, for Czech Republic in the uh, World Junior Championships. Didn't score, but he did put up five assists. So it's kind of what Ron's talking about. He's a playmaker. So I think um, returning players always have that confidence coming back. So we should see some big things from him. He's six foot three, almost 200 pounds. Like he's a big body on the wing. Um, I'm excited to see if, if you have a big body like that who can score, that's, that's dangerous. And I think the Blackhawks have a good one with him. Uh, Crudel, I don't have much on it. I did a little bit of digging and it looks like he's been injured quite a bit because his stats in the last couple of years are like, a couple games here, a couple games there. And, and I think it'll be nice to kind of see what the Blackhawks have in him. He's a fourth round pick. Sometimes those can be sneaky good. So I'll definitely be watching Czech Republic, like Johnny said, seeing uh, how these players develop and whether or not we'll be seeing them in the next couple of years wearing the uh, Indian head. Yeah, for sure. Good points, guys. Um, one, one last thing on while we're still on the checks here. Uh, Michael Crudel, I have a little, uh, I like him a little extra um, because on draft day, we, we were kind of sharing out um, when these picks went up and sharing our articles on you know Twitter and Instagram and all that. But uh, Michael Crudel did, did respond to our Instagram story and uh, because we had tagged him in it and he had said, you know, oh, thank you. Excited to be part of the Blackhawks, all that. So uh, I thought it was a nice gesture uh, that he said that when we shared it and, you know, kind of reposted that to his story. So uh, just a little background between Four Feathers and Michael Crudel. So uh, that's when I will be watching it. All right, now let's move on. Uh, good old US of A, as I would mentioned, forward Landon Slaggart uh, currently goes to Notre Dame. Um, and he's in his freshman season there. Uh, he was drafted 79th overall in the third round of this past draft in 2020. And uh, Austin is our Notre Dame expert here, so we're just going to hand it over to him and let him tell us all about Landon Slaggart. Well, thank you. I'm excited for, for Blackhawks fans to watch him. If they haven't watched him play yet, he makes himself noticeable on every shift. Even if he doesn't have the puck, you'll notice him. He's a big kid. He's got flow coming out of the back of his helmet. He looks like a hockey player. He finishes his checks. He battles. He wins puck battles. Uh, he, if he puts up one or two goals in this tournament, that'll be like his ceiling. That'll be rock star tournament. He does things without the puck that are that winning teams do, right? He doesn't quit on plays. He gets to the front of the net, uh, and he's basically grown up in the United States hockey program. He played for the national team development program. He's played in the U18 tournaments. He played in the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge in 2019. So he's been playing with these kids for like the past three or four years. And coaches love Landon Slager. He's a hard worker. He's coachable. Uh, he's a coach's son. His dad is an assistant coach at Notre Dame. So he's grown up around hockey his whole life. He knows what it takes to be successful. Uh, if you haven't yet, check out his first goal with Notre Dame. It's a sick play. He beats the defender in front of the net. Bats the puck into the air and knocks it, knocks it over the, the goalie's like glove side out of the air, just like an all-time play. So I think Blackhawks fans are going to be surprised by him. Don't expect him to be lighting the lamp like a player like Kirby Doc, but the little things. You'll notice him. He's hard to play against six foot. He's only 180. He'll get some weight on him in the next couple of years. So I'm excited for, for fans to watch him. I think he, he's going to become a fa one of those fan favorite type of players who just Chicago loves. So I'm getting way ahead of myself. He's still got a couple more years at Notre Dame, but I think 
I think this is awesome, and fans are in for a treat watching him in this tournament. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Austin. And you had mentioned that goal that he scored. Um, if you want a full breakdown, not just obviously that goal is in there, um, but a lot of other breakdown of all the stuff that Austin was talking about, how he's a hard worker, how he forechecks, uh, how he makes the right decisions, how he forces defenders into bad plays. Um, go and check out at ontapsportsnet.com just today. Um, uh, Austin P. just wrote a great article uh, kind of highlighting all of those things. He breaks down the film on it, um, kind of talks about um, where he's at in his development at Notre Dame there. Um, so uh, go and check that out. We, we got a self-plug here. So um, I thought you were going to do it, but I'll do it for you. Uh, no problem there. Uh, Ron, uh, let's chime in on Landon Slaggart. Yeah, I mean, I, I unfortunately haven't gotten to see a lot of Landon Slaggart yet, um, but I, I've seen some of the highlights uh, between, you know, Austin's Twitter account as well as yours, Johnny, as well as the Four Feathers account. So I've gotten a little familiar with him, obviously, you know, six games so far at Notre Dame, three points in those six games. You mentioned the the highlight real goal on top of that. To me, though, just as somebody listening to Austin break him down and, and obviously reading Austin's article, another, you know, shameless plug. We're going to we're going to plug that thing all day long. Thanks, um, but again, he, he strikes me as a kind of that like Andrew Shaw, Brandon Saad type player where he's just going to play balls to the walls. You know, maybe he's not going to score 65 points in an 82 game season, but he can give you a 40 point year. He's, he's clearly shown he's got some talent, you know, you know, probably plays more in your middle six than anywhere else. Probably thrives as like a third line checking guy. Just that high motor probably would, could be a guy that could kill the penalties uh, down the road, maybe a guy that you can sneak in on like a second power play unit, uh, kind of in that like front of the net role, you know, the kind of the, I call it the working hard and get your shit kicked in role just because you get abused in, in that spot. But, you know, and again, though, like you said, I mean, especially as a third round pick, um, I, I believe I got to write up his article when he got drafted, when, when Johnny and I were switching off at the draft this year. Um, you know, he just, he, again, he, just like what Austin said, it, it, it's the ringing statement for this kind of player, right? This is what good teams, good teams need these kind of guys. And if you can develop them organically in your system and they're going to be cost efficient for you in the future when, you know, they're ready for that NHL level, um, that just shows even more. So I'm very excited to watch uh, Slaggart more, especially again, on the international stage when he's playing some of the best players in the world at his age group. You know, why not see what he can do against these guys? And, and as, as, as Austin said, if he has a really nice tournament, that's just going to add, you know, confidence to him, you know, in that in that development for him at Notre Dame. So I'm excited to watch him um, and then I'll have to start tuning into some more Notre Dame games uh, when I can and when he returns to school, because um, just based off of, you know, Austin's breakdown. Uh, he's, he's a player that you can get excited about because, you know, there might be something there, you know, he might, again, might not be a superstar, but he's the type of player that you need to be a, a winning organization. Yeah, it's really nice being able to watch uh, Big Ten hockey, whether, you know, Notre Dame gets on NBC Sports Network a lot and uh, other Big Ten games are on Big Ten Network as well. Um, so one thing that after I read Austin's article today, I responded to him on Twitter and I said, man, um, it, this is kind of tying in because, you know, uh, the spotlight right now kind of on Landon Slaggart, obviously, since he's going to the World Juniors, um, he, he's had some games under his belt, at least I think six of them at, at Notre Dame so far early on in their season. This is just his freshman year. Already been impressed with uh, the, the work ethic that he has and all those things that Austin talks about in his article, how he's kind of a pest to play against and he's good on the forecheck. But I told Austin, another guy that sim very similar uh, in skill set, guy that I was very excited about, Ron, you 
remember from years past, uh, Evan Barrett, he was, you know, at Penn state. Um, now, you know, he, he's going to be coming to Blackhawks camp this uh, next year. But I, what I responded to Austin and I said, man, if he, he pans out along with Evan Barrett, the Hawks four checks going to be a bitch to play against down the road. Yeah. yeah. And if they keep David camp, it'll be, uh, it'll be awesome. Put him on the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then, you know, I got Lucas Walmarks in the mix. You don't know what the future holds for him. Obviously, very well could be chipped since he's on a one-year deal. But if they really like him and see him as a piece in that bottom six, uh, middle six, whatever have you, um, I mean, you're talking about some forwards there that can cause some havoc, which uh, seems like it's been, you know, it's getting a little bit better uh, with Kirby Doc, those likes uh, up there. And then, you know, they got a little bit better defensively uh, this year, at least from a forward position um, standpoint. So um, it, it just at least gives you hope. Obviously, it takes a while and not all these guys always pan out. But if this kind of batch does I feel like they have the right group for success and then you obviously complement that with your big scores um, elsewhere. But those guys are essential winning hockey games in the future so nonetheless uh, going to be exciting to watch all of these guys in action uh, once again it's kirby doc for canada wearing number seven uh forward michael tepley for the czech republic no jersey number yet uh defenseman michael crudel for the czechs uh no uh uniform number yet and landon slaggart um for team usa no uniform number yet there um i always like to just say those because sometimes it's hard uh you, you don't know who's who uh, when they're out there and they all got the brain buckets on. And like you'd said, you know, Slaggart's got that flow there. But uh, what is he wearing, 19 at uh, Notre Dame? Yeah, I think he's wearing like 14 or 24, I thought. Okay. Well, so we'll, look, for, look for a four. Yeah, for sure. So I um, I will be writing an article uh, in the next few days because, like I said, this starts on Christmas Day, so I'll probably drop it um, maybe tomorrow or uh, Wednesday. But I will have a uh, schedule of all the times that Hawks prospects are playing, um, who they're playing against uh, within this tournament. And there will be a few days off that there's no uh, you know Hawks prospects uh, playing in these games. But uh, I'll compile all of that. So look for an article at ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, it'll likely be Blackhawks at 2020 World Junior championships so uh keep an eye out for that all right gentlemen uh holidays are coming up uh christmas like i said just around the corner we had said that a uh, nice christmas present world junior starting on christmas day but we want to focus this on a blackhawks christmas uh hockey holidays as i think i titled this episode last year um let's talk blackhawks christmas gifts favorite blackhawks related gifts you've ever given or received and then what's on your uh wish list from a blackhawks merch whatever standpoint this year um, let's fire away, Ron. Yeah, I think my favorite Hawks gift I've ever given um, was back in Vegas's inaugural season um, when they came to the United Center for the one and only time. I remember it was January 6th, I believe was the exact date, or the 5th, uh, but it was that first Friday night um, of the new year. And uh, the Hawks, you know, Welcome to Vegas Golden Knights to town for the first time ever. And uh, my dad and I went, um, bought 100-level seats, so sat in you know, a real nice spot. Um, and even though the Hawks lost, it was a really fun game. Uh, final score was 6-5, to five, so high tempo, high energy. Um, this is back when the Nick Schmaltz experiment was still happening, so that shows you it's been a few years. But um, that was probably my favorite I've ever given. And then favorite received, um, I mean, I've, I've received tickets before to games uh, in years past. Um, last season, I actually am wearing it right now. I, I got my uh, Kirby Doc jersey um, as, a, as a Christmas gift, which was pretty cool. So um, I've gotten I've gotten some pretty cool stuff as Christmas gifts. Uh, a lot of Blackhawk things over the years, but uh, in recent memory, the Doc one definitely stands out. 
um, since that was last year. And I'll uh, I'll be intrigued to to see if uh, Santa Claus is going to bring me anything uh, Blackhawks related this year. So we'll we'll certainly see with that. Um, but on my wish list though for this year, a non actual item. Uh, my wish list is for a guy, um, if, especially if they don't get, decide to give Dylan Strom a contract because he is still without a contract. Um, why don't you throw about three million dollars at a guy like Mike Hoffman uh, for one year? Uh, you know, let's let's do that because you can flip him at the deadline. You know, probably get a first round pick out of him, especially if he's scoring. Um, you know, send him to a team that's a competitor that needs some goal scoring right around that deadline for a playoff push. Chances are the Hawks, you know, even if they are kind of lingering around, like Austin said earlier in the episode, you know, are they a favorite? Probably not. So I think that's the kind of guy that if you want to round out that roster and, you know, especially if you don't plan on keeping Dylan Strom, um, I, I say, you know, there's a lot of really good free agents out there that are going to probably have to take really small contracts, maybe one year deals this year, uh, just in hope and prayer that next season, the the tide starts to turn with uh, the free agency market. So uh, that's on my wish list is, hey, why don't we go out and add a guy? Um, doesn't have to be, you know, don't don't have to sign him to a seven-year deal uh, and expect him to be a part of the future. But, you know, why not sign some more of these guys to these one-year contracts that can be flipped at the deadline? So that is on my wish list um, is the Blackhawks to do one maybe small thing uh, before the puck drops on January 13th. Love it, Ron. Uh, awesome. Let's hear yours. All right. I Mike Hoffman, I'm – I've already etched him into the roster. You sold me on that one. Uh, so my my best present that I re- received, I'm pretty selfish, so I don't give out gifts that often. The best one I received was going to the Winter Classic at Notre Dame uh, a couple of years ago in 2019. Just kind of like my two worlds colliding. I grew up like 10 minutes from Notre Dame, so huge Notre Dame fan. I know how that goes with Chicago people. You either love them or hate them. I love them. I apologize. Uh, Blackhawks playing and Bruins. The score, you know what? It's it's more about the experience. I wish the Blackhawks would have won, but just just the experience and uh, met the spit and chicklets guys before the game and had drinks with them and all this stuff. I thought it was awesome. I, it was probably the coldest I've ever remembered being. Now that I've moved to California, I, I'm one of those warm blooded people now who complains about the cold weather. But it was awesome. It was fun. Uh, on my wish list, very simple. I like the Mike Hoffman thing. Give me Mike Hoffman. I need a 64 jersey. I need a David Camp 64 jersey. It's been way too long. I'm about two years overdue on this. I, I'm, I'm saving my money, not giving out as many Christmas presents this year, saving money for myself so that I can purchase a David Camp's jersey. He becomes a restricted free agent after the season. Hopefully Stan Bowman does the right thing, holds on to him for another year and just gives him year deals, year deals, year deals, and I can wear my Camp jersey with pride. But that's my two right there. Yeah. And for listeners, if you're not familiar uh, with, with the kind of shticks here, um, I'm a huge Ryan Carpenter guy. I was over the moon when they made that signing last year. Because first of all, you saw the uh, you know the penalty kill. Those stats increase this year. Um, and that is largely attributed to both Ryan Carpenter and David Camp. But Austin, we brought him on. Um, he is in his bio. Go and check out his Twitter bio at Blackhawks D Zone. Um, he is self-proclaimed, um, you know, member of the David Camp fan club. So uh, he's got that in his bio, but he doesn't have a Camp jersey. Um, 
I think I made an Instagram post about me being the president of the Ryan Carpenter fan club one time, but Ron and uh, the on tap guys before Austin had joined, uh, they gifted that to me as a birthday present last year. So um, I do have the Jersey to back it up. So yeah, you got some catching up to do. I do hope uh, that you do get your David camp Jersey in the near future, Austin, but uh, mine um, I've got a few favorite gift I've ever um, received uh, for Blackhawks related. Um, my top one has to be in 2009 uh, Christmas. I got a my aunt gave me a red uh, Patrick Sharp jersey, and I'd had a I, you know I love the white jerseys, um, but I had a plain white jersey because that's timeless, no name on the back, you can always wear it no matter what. Players come go, whatever. So that was my base one. But the second jersey I ever got, and it you know started a disgusting habit of now I have like you know like whatever. 15 hockey jerseys which is ridiculous Mm but um it was a red patrick sharp one and that was my go-to down the stretch wearing it uh for that first stanley cup run in 2009 2010 so um that's got to be one of my favorites and then i also received uh, a few years ago um alex to signed puck from his blackhawks debut and if you remember Mm -hmm. that debut was a game in which they kicked the shit out of the pittsburgh penguins 10 to 1 so um that was a pretty cool one um that i've uh given or excuse me that i've uh been gifted um and then as for uh given there's this really cool i think like two yeah, I want to say two years ago, might have been three years ago. Um, but they had these just really nice uh, Adidas uh, long sleeve shirts that had just had a really cool like Madhouse hockey design across it. And I wanted it for myself, but my buddy uh, who's a big Hawks fan. I ended up getting it for him. Uh, but I just remember it was just a really cool design. And like I said, it was a few years back, but it was kind of dry fit, uh, looked really nice, kind of like what players would like wear under their uh, pads and whatnot. So um, other than that, my wish list. Um, this year, uh, I really like, you guys can see, uh, I've been donning this a lot, but the Vintage Hawks collection, um, I already have this hat, the snapback that I'm wearing right now, uh, but they kind of like, you know, go back to the 1926 logo and really like simplify it. And that's kind of what the uh, jersey design with all the uh, the black with all the white stripes on it was based off of. But there's this really cool sweater, not hockey jersey, but like a crew neck sweater um, that has, it's a very simplified Indian head on the left chest and then it's got all those stripes just on one sleeve on the left sleeve so that's on my wish list this year for a merch standpoint and then my other one um i'd totally be fine with mike hoffman but i won't steal ron's there you can just you know co-sign me on that one uh mine is what i wrote my article about i want from day one of training camp give adam boquist the keys to power play unit number one let him be the quarterback let him fuck up let him learn uh it'll only do him good and that's what they have to do if they're truly committed to the development of the players Letting 37-year-old Duncan Keith run it does you no good in the long term. Might score a few more goals this year, but they should be thinking down the road. So that's on my wish list. Yeah, well said. Love it. Absolutely well said. And just quickly, too, um, Austin was also at uh, that Winter Classic game at Notre Dame, and I will also agree that was one of the coolest hockey experiences I've ever witnessed. Um, just being out you know, at, at, at Notre Dame, freezing cold, you know, like you said, original six matchup. Uh, it's when they donned the, you know, the now alternate, you know, black and white jerseys. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a good one. That was a lot of fun uh, at Notre Dame. Didn't Brennan Perlini score in that game? Or am I he did. He did. And Dominic he poured in as well. in front of the net, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Oh, boy. Poor Brennan. Wow. Flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. I mean, it was a really cool video. I didn't get to go to that one, but Ron, um, our former panelist, um, who is now, you know, uh, 
pretty uh, active uh, MMA fighter, so he had to leave the pod. But if you remember from the very early days, if you've been around us for a while, Tyler Jones, uh, him and Ron met up at that first Winter Classic, uh, provided a little content for us there. And little did we know uh, that replacement uh, for him would come uh, for a guy that was also there. And we didn't even know at the time, but Austin, glad to have you. I also do MMA on the side. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Just kidding, I don't do that. It'd be cool, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, guys, we're getting to the end here. Uh, you got any final thoughts on anything? Uh, World Juniors, hockey returning, uh, Blackhawks Christmas, anything before we wrap this up? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm just excited hockey's back. You know, obviously it starts off with the World Junior Tournament beginning on Christmas Day. Um, that'll be a lot of fun to watch, obviously. I- I'm a little bummed that we don't get to see Lucas Reichel. Uh, I think, you know, he was a guy that the jury's kind of still out on. Uh, a lot of people don't know what the Hawks are getting with him, uh, given that he was a total kind of off the radar pick this year. Um, but I'm just excited that it's kind of ramping up. You know, it starts with the World Juniors. Uh, you know, obviously camp opens up then in early January, uh, and uh, you know, about ten to ten to twelve days later, uh, the puck drops on the uh, you know the 2021 NHL season, um, and. I'm just I'm excited to to watch the Blackhawks play again. I you know like you guys said I I know it's probably not going to be a fun year in terms of wins and losses, but hell is I'd rather watch the Hawks get their shit kicked in for 56 games than not watch them at all. So just very excited that hockey's returning and it all starts on uh, December 25th. Well said, Austin. Yeah, I think I was wrong the other day, but I think the U.S. is playing Finland tomorrow for their pre-tournament game. They were supposed to play Switzerland on the 20th, but I don't think it happened. So at least what their Twitter says is that they play Finland tomorrow pre-tournament, 6 p.m. Eastern on NHL Network. Don't quote me on it, but hopefully we get to see a little bit of hockey. And, and even though it's pre-tournament, if it does happen, it's it's intense, intense games because they only have a couple days before the real game start. So uh, keep your eye out for that. Don't quote me on it, but I think they play tomorrow. If we so. find an update, we'll throw it out from uh, yes. four others. But yeah, yes. either way, if they play another chance to watch, I'll land in Slaggard. That's all I got. I'm, I'm looking forward to a good year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're glad to have you along uh, for the ride for the full uh, slate this year, Austin. Even though it is an abbreviated slate here, um, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun ride. Uh, my final thoughts. Yeah, uh, I agree with Ron. Uh, just damn happy hockey is back. Kind of been in like a trance lull state. I'm um, sure I got you know my uh, watch Illini basketball or whatever, but you know hockey's the number one. Uh, hockey's a sport we all love the most, I think here, and um, it's just going to be. Good to get the greatest game in the world back. Uh, That's my thoughts there. World Juniors will be fun. Like I said, look out for the article that I will have all the information uh, about these players um, and when they will be playing uh, schedule. All those games should be on NHL Network in the U.S. and then TSN in Canada. So, like I said, all those details will be in that article. Other than that, um, if you guys have uh, our listeners and both you panelists too, um, any Hawks Christmas gear that you get or give, um, send us some pictures in. Tag us at Four Feathers Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. We'll share all those those kind of get a thread running. Uh, I mean, a Hawksmiths, uh, Hockey Holidays, something like that. We'll figure out how we're going to brand it. But either way, send them in, and we'll reshare them. Um, we would love to see uh, what you're receiving uh, or giving uh, in the Blackhawks realm. So um, that does it for this episode. That's Season 2, Episode 4, Hockey is back uh, here on the Four Feathers Podcast. Make sure you go 
and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you enjoy the show, please give us a five star rating and review uh, wherever you listen Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher. Doesn't matter. We're there on all those platforms. So go and find us, uh, review us, follow us too uh, on the Spotify button, subscribe on Apple, uh, whatever it may be. Um, we would really appreciate it. So, um, uh, once again, that's about all I've got. Go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You'll be having uh, plenty of content coming through uh, regarding the World Juniors. Um, and then, obviously, as training camp ramps up, uh, how things are looking with that. And then we'll get back to our uh, post-game shows after every game. If you're not, if you're new to Four Feathers or forget how it works, it feels like it's been forever, even though they did just play uh, in the beginning of August, which really wasn't that long ago, but it just feels longer. Uh, in the void of hockey, um, we do a post-game show after every game. So tune back in. Those are usually uh, between 15 and 30 minutes, depending on what went on in the game um, and, you know, uh, what there is to talk about storyline-wise. So I uh, can't wait to get back into the groove of that with you guys. So um, with that being said, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and uh, let's close this thing down the only way we know how. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Cheers, guys.